Um, but I'm super excited for our team that we have up here this morning that's going to help bring the word today. Um, you know, that emphasis of, of what Pastor Catherine is doing in our kids' ministry to teach families how to do devotions and carry that into the new year um, is something that we feel led to do as a church family that we move into 2023 um, with a hunger for personal devotions in our lives, for personal time in the Word, um, and for prayer. Um, and then we, we go after that corporately, but something that we want to emphasize in every home and every individual's life throughout 2023. God has things he wants to say through his word. And I don't know about you guys, I love the word, I love to spend time in it, but I struggle with keeping it a priority because my day sometimes runs me. Anybody been there? Does your day run you and you don't run your day? When I run my day, then devotions, personal devotions and time in the Word and in prayer is a part of that. When my day runs me, it ends up not being a part of it. And I said for 2023, that's got to change because God has work to do in this, in this community and in the nations and in my life and in this church, and I've got to get in there and figure out what it is, and the Word is what will do that for me. And so we want to encourage you to join us in this mission, I would say, for 2023. We are going to grow in Jesus together because we're going to go after his word in our lives individually as families and as a church body, and we're going to see what God is going to do. The word has the power and the potential to transform every one of us and to speak to us individually, not just me when I preach on a Sunday, not just Pastor Ken when he preaches on a Sunday, but in you and in these ones here today who are ready to share with you a little bit about how the word has touched them and changed them at, at some point in their life and in some area of their life. So I'm super excited for you to hear what they have to share today. They are a wonderful blessing to me, and I thank you guys for helping bring the word today. I appreciate that. So can you welcome them with me? This is our preaching team today, you guys. Thank you. Good morning, Lighthouse. My name is Preston. Uh, I'm over the Young Shameless Plug right now. Uh, I'm over Bridge, the Young Adult Ministry, 18 to 35. If you have questions, come see me after service. Now, uh, so the, <laughs> the scripture I want to uh, share with you is Matthew 14, 28 through 30. It says, and Peter answered and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you in the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go with Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. He began to sink and cried out, saying, Lord, save me. See, I didn't see this until recently. But let's look at what Peter said. He said, command me to come. See, he didn't say, I think it'd be a good idea. He didn't say, he didn't ask or say, Jesus, I'm coming. He said, command me. See, that shows a biblical principle that even God himself follows. It's called submission and authority. You see, think about the Israelites. God, it was God's will that they be set free. God had all the power, uh, sorry. God had all, all the power, and he had Moses, a faithful guy who was protesting for their freedom. But yet, God had to wait until Pharaoh said, let them go. You see, if God forced anyone to do anything, then he would be going against the laws that he put in place, which would take a shot at his character. You see, I want to take this a step further. 
and say, your submission precedes your breakthrough. <laughs> See, let's look at what happened to Peter after he said, command me. He said, or he, went, he walked on the water. Our first breakthrough was when Jesus came, lived his life as a man, died on the cross, and was rose again. You see, all throughout scripture, you see submission. We are in submission all day, every day, whether you believe me or not. It's a fact that we are constantly in submission. But the question is, who are you submitted to? And even further, it's not an all or nothing thing, guys. See, you can be submitted to God about your marriage, but not your time. So you can be submitted to God about your church, but not your boss. You know, and then I ask you, maybe you got you, maybe you wish that you got the promotion at work, but you didn't. But I ask you, are you talking about them behind their back? You see, I look back at my life and I've been passed over for jobs that I was more qualified for, but I was not submitted. You see, submission brings trust. And really, submission doesn't start until you disagree. You see, something that for me, up until October, uh, that I wasn't really submitted to was God's view on porn. You see, I've dealt with that addiction for more than half my life. You know, I did all the outside things to get rid of it. I prayed over it. I spoke over it. I read books. I went to counseling. I, I still go to counseling now because I think everyone should go. Uh, I mean, just be honest, we should. Uh, we all have trauma. <laughs> um, I've had a, a accountability partners. I, I've had apps on my phone to block it. I've lost access to laptops and stuff. I've watched my wife cry in front of me when I tell her that screwed up again. So, oh gosh. See, now that's all what was at once, but I've been married to that beautiful wife there for nine years. And it wasn't until about a month ago that she could have hope again. See, towards the end of that, I was aware that didn't matter what I did, I had to submit and let go. You see... I didn't want to submit and let go because it was a comfort for me. It was old faithful to me. It was something that helped me bring release, even though I knew that it was a fake fix. I knew what scripture said. I knew I was hurting God. I knew I was hurting, hurting my wife every single time. But you see, it's still, you have to submit and let go. See, I went to this conference back in October, and I was just a normal time. I was mixing for sound, and um, I, I always get into this place of surrender. I say, God, I surrender my hands. I surrender my ears. I surrender this mix to where your Holy Spirit wants it. And then next thing I notice, I'm saying, I surrender my time and I surrender my marriage. And then I say, I surrender porn. I was like, oh snap, that's different. <laughs> so so I, lean, I, I leaned into it. And not five minutes later, we, me and her get prayed over, get called up to get prayed over. The next thing I know, I am weeping. I, I know I've cried up here a couple of times, but I'm not typically a cry. All right. So I'm weeping because I feel the hurt that I've caused her. I feel the freedom that was coming. And I feel the love of God around me from God and from the people around me. I mean, I thought I stopped and a dude walked by and simply just touched my shoulder and wrecked me again. You see, your freedom comes by submission. You see, I don't have time to go to the whole story, you know, but, oh my gosh, sorry. I'm listening to pads and Siri keeps listening. <laughs> um, but uh, see, <laughs> your you see, submission comes before your breakthrough. Well, it's addiction, identity issues, character issues, you name it. There's a scripture that talks about it. You need to believe it more than your feelings, circumstances, or whatever you are believing in. You see, from day one, God wanted me free. From day one, God had the power to set me free. From day one, the people around me wanted me free, but I had to make the choice. See, I say the same thing for you. God has all the power to set you free. God wants you free. Your family and friends want you free, but you have to submit because your submission precedes your breakthrough. <laughs> and see, I want to challenge you 
to allow some time today to think about your life. Think about the good things, to think about the bad things, think about what God wants to see fixed and see what the word says. Because I, I love you and I want to tell you that your submission precedes your breakthrough. See, God isn't looking for perfection. Look at Peter. He said, command me to come. He goes, he starts to fall. Jesus still picks up his hand and says, come on, man, I got you, I love you. All right, look at the Israelites. They built a golden calf to worship after he set them free, but yet he did not leave them nor forsake them because he loves them. So I want to say, I love you, God loves you, and that there isn't any condemnation here. So we're all family. So don't be afraid to talk to someone about it. So last thing is that it's time for us to get our boat and walk in the word that God has for us. Ooh, that gets me every time. <laughs> Hi, for those of you who do not know me, I'm Kimberly Faith, and I feel like I'm in business to encourage people. So I'm so glad I'm here today and that I can encourage you with this word that's touched my heart and touched my family's heart for so long. It's Philippians 4.15. Those of you who really, really love the word, this is a really good word to get into. And it's just that simple. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. When I was younger, I was about, I was about like three and a half years ago, um, my grandma, my grandma fell down the stairs um, in our front porch and she was in the hospital and she couldn't walk for a very long time and it really brought a lot of pressure on our family to the point where every morning she would be she would be crying and she'd say like I'm so sorry like I I can't do anything and I just should just give up and God please take me now why can't you take me and I was reminded of this word and I told my grandma over, over the course of a year of her trying to recover, of her trying to, to figure out if she wanted to stay or if she wanted to go. Because it's really your choice. Ultimately, if you want to, to stay in his presence or if you're just like, I'm done, I quit, I can't do anymore. She lost her faith. But this word really lifted her up. I, I asked her one day, God... God says that he gives us strength. So who gives you strength? And she's like, thank you, God. God gives me strength. Thank you, God, that I can walk. And she started walking. She started moving. She started doing more things. And that really encouraged me to the point where I'm saying it every day now to her. And now she's encouraging me with the word as well. So it's a mutual relationship that we get to share and that she gets to, to tell herself, to encourage herself with each morning when she feels like she can't get up, when she feels like she can't walk. God, Grandma, who gives you strength? God gives me strength. Thank you, Jesus. So those of you who may be feeling weak, weary, or even emotionally drained, God's word spoken over you can give you strength. God gives you strength, so call on him, and you will not only stand, but you will walk. So praise Jesus for my grandma who taught me that no matter what I'm going through, 
no matter if I feel like I should give up because it's gotten too hard. I reframe my mind. God gives me strength. Praise you, Jesus. Hello, family. My name is Micah Emanizer, for those of you who don't know me. Um, I'm very excited to be here and share with you a little bit of my own life. Um, so I want to read from Colossians 3, 1 through 4. It says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So I want to share a story from my life of a situation where this began to become real to me and then developed more and more over time. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I've struggled with, as my boy Preston, um, is porn. And I remember this one situation where I was, you know, in the act. And this was during a season of my life that people would call me a lot to, you know, get insight, get direction, have me pray about stuff and help them just, you know, figure out what they should do. And so I'm in the middle of doing my thing. And I get one of those calls. And so I stop, I answer, and I talk it through with them and, and you know, pray through with them and figure out what they should do and give them a little insight and we come up with a plan for them. And then I go right back and I finish what I was doing. And I finish and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I am the absolute scum of the earth. I'm a terrible person. I am horrible. I'm like what is wrong with me? God just spoke through me. God just used me. God just worked through me. And I'm here finishing my sin. And in that moment, God speaks to my heart and says, Micah, it's okay. I understand. And that broke me. Because in the middle of my failure, in the middle of my mistake, in the middle of my mess up, the perfect God who can't have sin in his presence said, it's okay. I understand. I love you. And this, and this word here began to become real to me because this says, the, the idea that Paul's saying here is that my life is no longer my own. Jesus now lives my life for me. And I am now hidden in Christ, seated at the right hand of the Father, which means that at any given time, if I look to my left, there's the Father, creator of the universe, savior of my soul, perfect one, holy, amazing, sitting right there. And in this moment where all I feel is shame and condemning myself, beating myself up, thinking I'm a worst human being ever, when I look over, what I saw back was love, acceptance, and him saying, Micah, it's okay, I understand. And our fear with this, I feel like, my fear with this sometimes is, well, if that's, if that's how the perspective that I have, then, then I'm going to slip into, I can just do whatever I want. But in this moment where I'm broken and I've failed and God said, I understand and it's okay, I didn't go, oh, I can just do whatever I want now. I went, Lord, you love me anyway? You choose me anyway? I just, you used me and then I spit in your face and you chose me anyway? And you sit here and you say, I accept you anyway? It made me want to seek him harder. It made me want to chase after him stronger and give everything that I have because he accepted me in my mess. I didn't accept myself in my mess, but he chose me anyway. 
And I, and I find that oftentimes we get so consumed with chasing after, I got to be perfect, I got to be right, I got to do the right thing, I got to fight this battle, I got to get over this sin, I got to conquer my flesh, I got blah, 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 blah. And we lose sight of our Father sitting right next to us that chose us in our mess, that knows better than we know that the journey is full of struggle, the journey is full of brokenness, the journey is full of humanity because we're humans. I spent a long time trying to convince myself and God that I'm not human. I think I should be better than human. And he's like, Micah, you're not. You're not that great. And, and, I, and I find that, that when we get ourselves consumed and focused on trying to achieve the right things, trying to beat the bad things, we lose the strength and the ability to overcome it because God's just sitting there. And what I've learned over years is that God is more concerned with the relationship and with the love and with your heart and with choosing him than he is what your journey and your process looks like. Because your journey is going to be a mess. He knows, he knew when he chose you that your journey was going to be a mess, that you were going to be a mess along the way. What he wants is relationship. And because he knows that if your heart is his, that if you remain in relationship with him, even though your journey is a mess, you will actually overcome the struggle. Because the strength and ability to overcome our flesh is in learning to see ourselves in our position in Christ and embracing the acceptance and safety that he gives. Because when we feel pressured and constrained, we can't fight. We can't succeed. It's in safety that we have the ability and the strength to overcome. And the safety is only found in his love and his acceptance and his choosing us and embracing that relationship. Thank you. I love you. Thank you for that, Micah. Um, I know in my life, the times God showed up the most sometimes is when I was showing up the least. So that's a true word. <clears throat> my name is John Thomas, um, and I want to share with you um, uh, from 1 Corinthians 1.10. Uh, it's where Paul is talking to the Corinthian church about quarrels and divisions in the church and particularly in the leadership. Uh, it says, now I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. So there's two words here I want to uh, just kind of dig into a little bit. The first one is just where he says that you all agree. And in this case, he's not talking about you all have to come to an exact agreement on every single uh, letter, every, you know, dot every, cross every T, dot every I type thing. But he's talking about a spirit of agreement where you come together in unity and that you come together with, even if you agree to disagree, that you're, you're in agreement and you're purposing to be in unity with one another. So throughout this, I'm, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm, we talk about agreement, I'm actually talking about unity there. And so we purpose to do that. Um, and so the simple conclusion here is just basically, as a church body, um, we just need to get along with one another. But something kind of jumped out at me with the word made complete. It's like we need to get along with one another, but so you would be made complete. And I'm, uh, it jumped out, and I wasn't sure exactly what it was meaning, but I, I sensed there was more to it than that. Uh, and with many scriptures, there's more to it when you dig into it a little bit. So 
made complete. In the NIV, it mentions it and says that you are perfectly united. Um, another translation says that you are knit together. Um, in the Greek, it's a word uh, that uh, says it's called kartardzito, uh, kartard, katardito. Mispronouncing that horribly, I'm no, I'm sure. But katartizo, let's try that. Um, and basically, it uh, it means to be complete or prepare. It means to bring into its proper condition. Um, it also means to repair or restore. And I like this one because it's also this, uh, the same word that was used when Jesus came upon James and John um, working on their fishing nets uh, by the shore as he was calling them. Uh, it's the same word there when it says that he is, they were mending their fishing nets. It was katartizo, their fishing nets. So there's a mending uh, aspect to this, a, a fixing, a correction so when it says that we are made complete, it's talking about us uh, fixing that which is broken, that needs repair, uh, that gap in our ranks, so to speak. Um, so we as a group, as a whole, are one organism. And if there's one, one of us that's hurting, then there's, there's you know, the, it doesn't, the, the, the scripture's not really talking about us being a fishnet, per se. But I, I, I can't believe that it's coincidence that it happens to be the same word where they're mending the fishnets. And we as a group, as an organism, uh, function like a fishnet. So when there's a hole in the net, um, we need to mend that hole. So uh, that's sort of the picture, the word picture I get there. There's a lot of scriptures that talk about agreement and unity and uh, for instance, in Genesis, when he, when the Tower of Babel was taking place, the Lord said, "As if, if, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them." In Matthew, we see again, "Truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done by them by my Father in heaven." So there's a lot of power in unity. Um, don't fully understand it, but there's a lot of it there. Um, it's not just the, it, the power that we have when we're in unity is more than just the, the sum of its parts. It's not a bunch of individuals just doing the same thing, like we've joined some club and we're all showing up and doing the same thing. There, in the unity, there's, there's something else that's happening there. Um, it's a kingdom principle, and we're more effective in a unified body. Um, as I was thinking about this, I saw this picture, and the Lord will drop pictures in uh, to me sometimes, and, I, and then I have to kind of just unpack what they mean. But when I was looking at what this means by being made complete, being made, in uni made complete in unity, then I saw this picture of Revolutionary War soldiers marching uh, in, a, in a formation, the way they, they would march, and they would actually go into battle that way back in that day before they... Uh, you know, that was their military tactic. And I just was curious, why did they, how was that devised? Why did they ever do that? It doesn't seem very efficient. And I found an article <clears throat> online that, that basically explains, it was, it was a study that was done on marching and marching in unison and people walking in step with one another. And they, some conclusions that they found were it removes the individualism. They think of themselves as part of a larger group and less vulnerable. 
those who walked, and they, they had people just walk down a sidewalk in sync and were doing tests that way. Those who walked in sync with someone else, even down the sidewalk, were healthier and happier at, at the end of the study. <clears throat> they found out that in a military setting, though, it makes the force, the marching force, look larger and more intimidating to the enemy. And it also found that those that were in the marching force, it made the enemy look smaller and less intimidating to them. It was a psychological thing. So the takeaway from that is it allows us to submit one to another. It's healthier for us, but we are more formidable and effective that way. Good traits for, for, for the body of believers. Again, not like a club, but we are one living organism, the body of Christ that, you know, that, that houses the spirit of God. The very spirit of God lives in us and as, as, a, as a single being. So when one of us is hurting, um, you know, if, if Micah's struggling and hurting, I'm going to come up alongside Micah, and Preston's going to come up on the other side, and we're going to mend this net. We are a net together, and we're going we're gonna to patch this hole. We're going we're gonna to make sure that we are effective as a unit. It's not just showing up and being yourself and being, you know, it's, it's like everybody was saying, we've got to come out and get in each other's lives. We've got to know what's going on. It's, I think of that Star Trek episode where they had the Borg, and, and if you attack one and you attack them all. And I don't, maybe, that may be a reference um, <laughs> that nobody knows. But uh, it, was, it was formidable. They couldn't deal with it because they, they couldn't figure out how to deal with it. And that's what we need to be. We need to confound the enemy. The enemy will flee from us. But we've got to be unified and be a fierceful, fierce force. So uh, final application. I may not fully grasp the power of all of it um, yet, but... The themes everywhere in scriptures, it's an important one. We're trying to do it at home and trying to purpose to be in unity in every interaction we have. Molly and I, when we pray in the morning, we set out to be in unity, um, and our prayers are more powerful. Uh, we know that we're at the end of the day, at the end of the prayer, we're going to end up in unity. Molly will say it this way. She says, you know, and sometimes we get into some heated discussions about differences of opinion. She goes, I'm not the enemy. I'm not the enemy. We're on, we're on the same team. So that's unity. Um, so let me just say this last sort of word picture here about, uh, it also, well, let me just say that. Um, I was, uh, I, I don't know if I saw it or if I read it online or something, but I saw somebody mentioned, uh, zebras and their camouflage. And I said, well, wait a minute. Zebras are black and white striped. They're running around in the desert. They look more like taxi cabs coming down the street than they do, you know, Camouflage. I just didn't understand camouflage, so I started looking it up. And basically the theory there is, is that zebras run in herds. And so, and they're all, of course, black and white striped. But they run in herds, and as long as they stay in the herds, the lions can't see individual zebras. They just see this one mass organism that they can't attack. It's too big, it's too forceful, it's too mighty. But as soon as there's a straggler they can start seeing the shape and the outline of a zebra, and then they can attack. And so, you know, when we have people that are straggling, when we have people hurting, we've got a purpose to know that. We've got to come alongside them, pull them back into the herd where it's safe. And it, it brings a whole new meaning to that scripture where it says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. There's a reason for that. It's not just so that we can kind of, you know, be happy together and have all these... these um, you know, great parties and things, but it, there's, there's a real life principle for us to come together, share one another's burdens, 
and walk together and hurt when each other's hurting and, you know, have our lives fall into each other's. So that's our takeaway. Good morning, Lighthouse. I'm Sandra Smith, and I've been part of Lighthouse for over 20 years. I would like to share a very uh, familiar scripture, and maybe a, a, a favorite for many of you here. And this uh, scripture is often quoted when trying to figure out God's will for our lives, and it's in Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. This verse is very uplifting because God's plans for us are good. Amen? Uh, at least this is what it looks like at first sight. When I was going more in depth, trying to figure out who wrote it, to whom it was written, and under what circumstances, I discovered that it was not just a word of goodwill for us, but so much more. See, when the people of Israel received this word, they were under captivity uh, from their enemies. They had been taken away from their homeland into Babylon. While they were there, a false prophet had come telling them that they will go free in two years. But God's response through Jeremiah, we can see in the previous verse, verse 10, was that the captivity would last 70 years. I can only imagine the discouragement and the disappointment that the people felt to hear this news. But that's not all what he said. He also gave them a word of hope. Jeremiah was speaking to people who were under captivity and suffering the affliction of their enemies. I would like to share just very briefly a little bit about my story and why I love this verse. Since 2005, with my husband Mark and my four kids, we have been serving as missionaries to Mexico. In 2018, while we were in Puebla, Mexico, providing uh, leadership training, biblical training to leaders from different ethnic communities, Mark very suddenly and unexpectedly passed away in his sleep. The previous night, he had gone to bed with just a mild back pain, and he never woke up. He was 47 years old. There we were with my family in a foreign country and with devastating news. I can feel in some way what the people of Israel was feeling at that time uh, during this, in this scripture. I know that it will take too much time to explain all the shock and confusion and pain and loss that we experience. And the whole process of relocating back to the U.S. and navigating a totally different way of life without my husband. But I can say that during this time and the following years, 
it was verses like this one and many others from the scripture that gave me a glimpse of hope for the future. I must add also that we receive a tremendous amount of support and love and prayers from family, friends, and our church community here at Lighthouse. The key point that I find in this verse that we can apply to our lives is that God's word for the people of Israel at that time was not a word with a quick solution. It was not a promise of immediate liberation or even freedom from captivity. But the promise was that in the midst of their trials and suffering, God still had a plan. That in the midst of uncertainty, he still wanted to prosper them and to let them know that he was with them and he loved them. Romans 8.28 says, All things work together for good to those that love God. I'm not sure what circumstances you're facing today, but I want to encourage you to study God's Word. When life gets hard, it's crucial that we know God intimately, that we know the Scriptures, that we know His character. And it's through the Scriptures that we get a revelation of who God is, of His faithfulness, His goodness, His kindness, and His everlasting love for us. And that's the only way that we can stay strong in the midst of trials. This is God's promise for you, Lighthouse, today and for me. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God bless you. I wasn't supposed to do anything. But as I'm sitting there, I, I, I felt like there was a continuity of something that the Holy Spirit, that I just want to draw attention to. You, you probably caught this, but um, let me just stand behind them and, and read this word as it, as it came to me sitting there. If you will submit yourself to me, your breakthrough will be revealed. I will strengthen you with my strength, and I will show myself to you that we are seated together at all times, and you will experience my love at a deeper level, and I will make you complete as you are connected with my body, and the enemy will flee from you like never before. When you do this, I will show my good plans for your life, and you will experience my provision and my purpose for your life. Wow, that is a mic drop moment right there. Can you just see how the Lord takes his word and sets you free? 
and, tr and transforms you and changes perspective and changes understanding. Oh my goodness, the word. John 15 says this, as you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. If a person is separated from me, he is discarded. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. But if you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done. When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. That scripture is inviting us to be connected to him as our vine, that he is the vine and he has grafted us in as the branches. And what he wants to happen is this nourishment to flow from him to us. And there be this movement back and forth of his word. The nourishment is his word. And his word draws us into relationship and brings us the freedom and the power and the transformation so that we can walk it out and bear fruit. The connection into the vine. He's inviting us as we get ready to move into 2023 to be connected into him like never before because there's so much that he wants to do in your life, in my life, in our church body life, in Gloucester County, and in the nations. I invite you, are you ready to be connected to him like never before? If you say, I wanna make that, I want that to happen. I want that to happen. I want the word to do something in me for 2023 that I have not yet seen in my life. Would you stand with me if that's what you say as we move into this new year, that you're ready for the word to transform you like never before. That's a decision we make to say, God, you've already connected me, but maybe there's things in the way so I've not been able to bear the fruit. The nourishment that you desire in my relationship with you has not been as rich as it could be. So Lord, let the pruning take place prop me up if I've been dragging down so I can't, I can't see the sunlight and I'm not receiving the right level of nourishment. Jesus, do whatever it takes this year so that I am full of the nourishment that you have for me and I'm bearing fruit. That's our commitment today. Now we're going to pray into that, but I'm also, team, I didn't ask you to do this at the 8 a.m., but I'm going to ask if you would come down to the floor and I'm going to invite anyone that one of these words spoke to you where you're at today. Will you take a minute at the end of the service and come down here and pray with them? Maybe the Lord gave you a word as you heard their story, a something that he's doing, and you want to share that with them. But maybe you're in a place where their story has been. And you want to come down here just to have them agree and pray with you for the work of God in their life for the work of the word in their life. I'm going to invite you to come and have them pray with you today. But as a body, we're going to say, Lord, we're ready. Here we go. Would you tell him that while I pray over you this morning? Jesus, we are ready. We are ready to go somewhere with you this new year that we have not gone with you before in the word and in our relationship with you. 
Lord, we will never arrive until we walk in the heavenly kingdom. We will never have reached that fullness, Lord Jesus, until we're in that place. So we have so much room, Lord Jesus, for you to work in us. Lord, will you, will you broaden and expand that place, Lord, of us being connected into you. Lord, so that the nourishment that happens, Lord Jesus, as we tap into your word, as we tap in more through prayer, Lord, as we go after you in fresh ways, Lord Jesus, will you de bring deeper relationship and nourishment, Lord Jesus, into our lives through you. So, Lord, when we pray, Lord Jesus, there's such connectedness and such relationship that when we pray, we're praying according to your word and we're seeing miracles. Lord Jesus, we're seeing things released through our prayers, Lord, because of that connectedness with you. Lord Jesus, that there would be transformation in us, in our families, in our children, Lord, in this lighthouse home, in this community, and in the nations because, Lord Jesus, we are connected into you, our vine. And we're seeking you for the nourishment of the word in relationship with you and conversation with you in greater measure in 2023. We give you all the glory and the honor, Lord Jesus, for your work in our lives. We're so honored to walk with you. Thank you, Jesus. We love you and we praise you. We honor you today. Thank you, Jesus.